This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. Hey, everybody. Happy October 1st. October 2nd for you. Welcome to the show. I doubt it with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore. And sitting tiredly across from me is the lovely Brittany Page. Yes, I am very tired. (laughs) Grad school is taking its toll on your whole thing. Yeah, I mean, it's not grad school. It's mostly advanced psychological statistics right well you're generally just you're not a fucking morning person that too which is i don't i mean i get it that when you wake up you're tired but i don't uh i don't get it no i'm I'm usually mad in the morning that is i can attest to that and it's unfortunate i wish i wasn't like that but then it's also it's you know, 10 times the anger this morning because I was up late doing statistics and we had to get up early today. And so I was sleeping until the very last minute that oh I had to get God. up. Oh my God, you're not kidding. Fucking very last minute. <laughs> so my, my voice was still hoarse and it I, sounded like I was sleeping. I don't, uh, I don't suffer from these issues. I'm well, good for you. I'm, I'm raring to go. Yeah, that's kind mm. of a braggart thing to say, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. How dare you? Well, what are you gonna what are you gonna fucking do? Apparently nothing. I'm gonna continue to be a lazy turd, probably. <laughs> I love to sleep. What what can I do? Yeah, I get it. I get it. It's very funny though. I mean it makes me it makes me sad for not just you, but everyone who has the problem of getting up in the morning because I'm lucky, I guess. But you've also just started drinking coffee. Of late, like the few last few years, right? Really starting to enjoy coffee, right? And so maybe that's making my life more problematic because now I'm getting addicted to needing coffee in the morning to wake up. I wouldn't say you're addicted because there are many mornings you don't have coffee, right? I'm exaggerating. <laughs> I don't have an addiction, but you're also talking about you're bragging about what a morning person you are. You're not the kind of morning person that gets up at 5 a.m. to go on a mile jog or whatever. No, I didn't. Well, I'm not necessarily. Say, yeah, I guess I did say I'm a morning person. I don't mean that I'm a morning person. I mean, when I wake up, boop, I'm up. As soon as I'm awake, I'm awake. Right. When I wake up, I spend about the first 20 minutes while getting ready thinking about whether or not I can go back to sleep. <laughs> it's kind of like I used to when I was, I don't know if you've heard, but I, I was in the Marine Corps. Jesse was a Marine, everybody. <laughs> and uh, I used to take road trips. We used to, you know, we'd get a, uh, have a, what's called a 96 where you get an, an, a, another few days off, a couple days off, and we would road trip we drive from north carolina to new orleans one time all the time going to dc and then i've driven several times from north carolina back home to idaho and it's i always did it in a straight shot yeah that's insane it's 36 hours straight it's also dangerous yeah for sure well this gets to my point there are times where especially when you're driving solo and you're just fucking beat you are dead 
there are times where you you're so tired that you start negotiating with yourself as to how short of a nap you can take while still driving the right. car. <laughs> yeah, that's that is definitely not good. I've done that many times. Like if I just close my eyes just for just for a second, it'll be like a little mi- a micro nap, and then I can oh, I'll be refreshed. And then huh, you, you're next thing you know, you're, you're dead. sliding through the gravel uh, on the shoulder of the fucking road. Right. Terrible. That's terrifying. God damn, what a, I I have done dumb things in my in, oh, I think that's pretty common. Yeah. Yeah. To negotiate with yourself when you're so desperately tired. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like I am every morning. Crazy. So last week we how's that for transition? Zero. Just fucking get to it. Yeah, I. you could have just told me to F off and that would have been a better <laughs> transition. So last week we talked about an article out of The Guardian about sex ed. And we kind of explored that and we made an appeal to the audience to, to give us their some of their experiences and their perspectives. And we had a call on the voicemail line, which for your information is 657-464-7609. That's 657-464-7609, and you can text that number, too. But we got a phone call. Hey, guys, this is Jeremy calling from Seattle, and I was just calling to tell you my own personal experience with sexual education. I was homeschooled myself from second grade till junior year of high school about um and my like Brittany, my sexual education primarily came from listening to loveline um by the time that it was uh my, my parents did try and teach that to me um i had already heard it multiple times on the radio from dr drew and adam carolla and then uh also my neighbors. <laughs> so um, that was the the only memory I have from when I did try and get the talk from my parents was uh, when my mom was hunched uncomfortably close over me <laughs> in bed trying to explain to me how it worked. And I just remember being so uncomfortable and wanting to tell her that I had that I knew what she was trying to tell me and that she was doing a horrible job of explaining it to me and that her she had really bad coffee breath but uh but I didn't so yeah I um you know I was homeschooled conservative family and my parents got to me about 2 or 3 years too late so there you go yeah that sounds like a trauma. Yeah. <laughs> I think coffee breath in any form is a trauma. Right. If you mix coffee breath with cigarettes, oh, that holy shit. That is lethal. Yeah, that's like a fucking capital punishment. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, definitely torture. So that is Jeremy from Seattle, friend of the show. He actually is in the same business that we are. He is the host, the co-host of the Nerd Out Loud podcast based in the emerald city right so if you would like to listen to more of jeremy talk about his mom's coffee breath you could check out the podcast on itunes and stitcher nerd out loud so while we were talking about all this uh, i mentioned last week that we have a friend who grew up 
kind of in an interesting educational situation. Um, our very good friend Lisa and we, we decided we wanted to call her. So let's do that. Hello. Hello. How are you? <laughs> how are you? You sounded trippy different. Yeah, how bad? <laughs> really weird. Do I sound like a robot voice or what? Yes. <laughs> well, well, I'm like, who the fuck did I just answer the phone on? <laughs> I could have I could have turned up the hey everybody, it's wacky morning zoo guy just coming at you in the morning. Traffic and weather together on the eights. <laughs> We got Lisa on the phone. Well, good. So we wanted to have a little bit of a talk. I had, I actually had a guy call today on the voicemail line, and he says that he was raised in church. Or no, he was homeschooled. Right. He was raised in a very conservative, Christian, rel- very religious household, and he was he was homeschooled from, I guess, preschool or whatever. Well. From the time you joined school until junior year, he said. Wow, that was that was difficult. God damn it! Sorry, Lisa. It's all good. Hey, I'm new. I'm trying to figure everything out. Fuck you guys. <laughs> See, this is the problem: trying to have a show and having two women, and I just get fucking ganged up on. Sorry, Aww. we'll stop. <laughs> we'll be better now. Yes. All right. Yes. Good. good to go. So anyway. Mm-hmm. I think that you came from somewhat of a similar uh, environment, but you went to a an organized, if and I'm I'm really being very loose with the terminology here, an organized uh, Christian <laughs> academy. Is that right? <laughs> you know that is very loose. Yeah, it was a Christian school. Yeah. I don't know if it was an academy. I think it. I think the name on the outside of the fucking building said academy. Did it not? No, it was this was Christian school. Oh, well, I'm giving it more credit I, than 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 it deserves, I guess. For sure, you are. <laughs> I remember trying to get into that school at one point, and I don't remember ever taking any entrance exams. It was more about interviewing my parents to see what kind of wonderful Christians they were. Yeah, I don't ever remember in the process of it since we started there. Right, in right, first grade. And do you do you have any any memories whatsoever of a an organized kind of a of a sex ed program like around fifth or sixth grade? No, no, there was nothing. Did you? There was no. Idea. Did you have health classes in general? No, nothing. Wow, you didn't even have there, health classes. Like they didn't teach you about your body at all. No, you didn't even have PE. I mean that's having a break and going outside outside of your cubicle in the in the little room that you're in itself so you're facing you're in your little cubicle and you're just doing your work and your books and you're not talking to anyone you're not having a teacher look at you and try to explain stuff so having something like that would have been fantastic but no we never experienced anything like that so were you guys were you strictly like just taking like correspondence courses but you just happened to go to the same place to work through the correspondence courses? Is that what it was? No, you're just in, you're sitting in a little cubicle. So you have borders 
between each individual. So it's not like in a public school where you're sitting in an open classroom and able to ask questions or you have someone speaking. You're working out of a book and you're just answering questions in a book and trying to understand it out of a book. And then you have so many pages you needed to do in order to get that education done. So there was no communication in, in any way. So having a health class, there was, there was just nothing like that. And talking about any kind of best said there was that wouldn't have been spoke about. And so I, I don't want to get too juicy too quick, but let's say come fifth or sixth grade when you started getting the, the menses, when you started getting your period, you had no warning of that from school that all came from home? All of it came from home, yeah. There was never a discussion unless it was us girls just having a break and talking about what's going on or our bodies or something like that. But as far as having a teacher role or having someone explain something to us, there was nothing until eighth grade when I actually the school closed down and I actually went to public school and on my very first day walked in and had to experience the public school and then took sex ed in eighth grade in a classroom where then you're learning about your body and what happens and what's normal. So that must have almost been horrifying for you to come from that environment to then be immediately, you know, plunged into a sex ed class in public school. It it was, yes, because there's also boys in there and you're like, oh my gosh, okay, let's... <laughs> Let's be open about this. Listen, for the audience's sake, I want everybody to know that Lisa is probably the sweetest, most kind-hearted human being that has ever walked the face of the earth. And that's including the, the, the character in the Bible who is referred to as Jesus. So she is, (laughs) she is a remarkably wonderful, she's one of the few women I would smash someone's head with a brick if they spoke ill of. That's so. a that's a very good thing. So, so what was that? I, I'm just, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by the the experience of a Christian school where there's not even anatomy taught. I mean, obviously, you know what your hands are and your fingers, but inside, they don't. There's no health. There's no. What kind of subjects did you take? Like, let's say, up until eighth grade, like in seventh grade, when you're, you know, you're a 13 year old or whatever, what classes were you taking? It was just science. So you're doing everything else of a book. You didn't have any hands-on science work. So you never got to see any kind of explosions or fun little things in person. It was all just reading it out of the book. You're just doing math the same way, English the same way. So you're not having someone tell you why something is this way. You're just reading it out of the book. Wow. In every subject. And so if you had a question, you would raise your little American flag and put it on top of your little... Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That is awesome. Are you kidding? No. You had your American flag and you had your Christian flag, and they both meant something different. What did the Christian flag mean? That you're... I can't... I can't remember. I can't remember what the Christian flag meant. I just remember the American flag. And if you had a question, you had to raise it. That is so awesome. What is the Christian flag? What is that? It's a it's a white flag. And then up where the stars are, it's a blue background with a red cross on it. Isn't, huh. isn't yeah. that right, Lisa? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Onward, Christian soldiers.
God. It's fucking good shit yeah. right there. <laughs> that is, it's yeah, just, there, go ahead. It, and I think it lends to, I think a person, especially me, who had that experience, who was so just doing their own thing throughout the day. So to ask questions was something completely brand new within the public school. So it, came to me, I think, in that regard, where other children within the public school is able to talk and able to be in conversations, be able to really share their emotions and speak freely, where I think a lot of people within that I was raised with kind of has a harder time sharing that information or getting a question out or getting their voice heard. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you have any sense and none of that we haven't rehearsed or I've been giving you any questions. I'm just springing shit on you on the fly. So, um, <laughs> do you, did you get a sense at all whether or not when you went to public school finally, it, did they kind of take pity on you? Like, Oh, it's Lisa from that whack job Christian school where they don't really fucking teach anything. We're going to be extra nice to her and try to help her along. No, I didn't have any of that. I mean, there were all students that I really didn't know. The only people that I knew were people that a few, a handful of people that. No, no I mean like 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 teachers. Oh no, no, I don't think they and that was ever even a thing that they really even knew that I came from a Christian school and that I hadn't been raised because of the the school that I went to. The middle school was just seventh and eighth, and so I think that they didn't even know. They just thought I was a new kid coming in. So oh, no yeah. Pity on me. And really, to be honest, I could have answered the question myself because I went to the same junior high and high school that you went to, and mm-hmm. the teachers aren't exactly of uh, the highest intellectual ilk. <laughs> it's, I mean, look, it's a, it's a town of good salt of the earth type people, but, um, Really top-notch educators are few and far between. I-, I had some, a few, but they're they're not readily available. In fact, my I'm not sure if it was seventh or eighth grade science because it's the same fucking guy teaching the class. But and I won't use his name since this is an international audience <laughs> show. He told us in in science class in public school, and this was 1988. Let's say he says. I don't believe that evolution is real because if evolution were true, there wouldn't be monkeys anymore, which is, it's such a, it's a very common Christian argument against evolution when they just don't understand that the species of, of, of ape-like creature we evolved from is no longer around. It's been gone for, you know, millions of years or whatever. So anyway. That just illustrates the kind of school system from which we we come. But mm-hmm. as evidenced by you and ev- as evidenced by me, as evidenced by your husband, Brett, mm-hmm. we were able to escape the doldrums of uh, of being dunces because none of us are, are are dumb and we've uh, we've we've escaped. Yeah, we've done good. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I'm uh, I'm glad that you finally learned what a period is. Yes, you, yes. You finally learned where babies came from. You had yeah, Brett has no complaints. You had to, <laughs> you had to fight for it, but you finally found out that it's not a that's stork. That's right. It's not a stork. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that's 
that's awesome. I'm glad that we we were able to talk to you a little bit and find out what a weird, warped, kind of bizarre situation you would have been left with had your school stayed open. Um, but thanks for uh, thanks for taking the time and talking to us. Anytime, Jeff. Awesome. That's Lisa, everybody. The greatest human being who has ever walked the earth. Goddamn, I love that woman. Yeah, I do too. She's awesome. Like you said, she's one of the nicest people on earth. And she's one of those people who is so nice that you think it has to be fake, but she's just always nice. Yeah, there's she if it was a character, you would see that she would break for have to break from character at some time. Right. And I've known her since she was nine years old. And there's no fucking it's not a character. It's fucking lisa she's awesome right i know of only one other person like that that's how rare that kind of person is yeah it's beautiful super awesome so so moving on um a story that i am very happy about (laughs) that involves someone with whom i am not a fan newsweek is now putting plagiarism disclaimers on all articles written by farid zakaria Right. Newsweek says Fareed Zakaria worked for us when he was under previous ownership. Readers are advised that some of his articles have been the subject of complaints claiming that they contain material that should have been attributed to others. In addition, readers with information about articles by Mr. Zakaria that may purportedly lack proper attribution are asked to email Newsweek at corrections at newsweek.com. And of course, Fareed Zakaria is now a CNN host and yeah. columnist for the Washington Post. So that kind of rhymed and that was fun. Yeah. And <laughs> now he's going to be plagiarizing at the Washington Post. Yeah, it's great. So that's great. So if you uh, are a blogger or a writer and you'd like a nationally national exposure of your work, just send it on over to Fareed Zakaria and he'll uh, he'll put it into his own work. You You'll miss out on the byline, but you know. Right. So he was writing these plagiarized articles for Newsweek from 1996 to 2010. And then he also served as an editor of Newsweek International from 2000 to 2010. And they said a handful of the articles he wrote have been included in the ongoing plagiarism accusations. His current employers and the previous owners at Newsweek denied all this. And, oh, no, we investigated internally and we found him not at not at fault. And... That's just not the case. Right. Because earlier this month, Dylan Byers of Politico Mm -hmm. conducted a review of our bad of what he calls our bad media's reports. And he asked two journalism ethics experts, Robert Dreschel, the James E. Burgess chair and director of the Center for Journalism Ethics at University of Wisconsin-Madison, and Kelly McBride, the vice president for academic programs of the Pointer Institute, to review them as well. He concluded that Fareed Zakaria plagiarized, and both Dreschel and McBride concluded the same. Over the weekend, CNN media reporter Brian Stelter... Yeah, Stelter, that's, that's our guy who uh, interviewed the, the ex- extreme, wacky Muslim guy. Right. Who, who made his 9-11 joke. Right, and he said that he is referring to these incidents as attribution mistakes. Yeah, well, he he works. He's a colleague of Fareed Zakaria. Of course, he's going to say that. Right. So everybody who's independent thinks he is a fucking plagiarist. Right. And everybody who works with him 
says, oh, no, everything's good over here. Don't look over here. It's it's great. Everything's good. Well, and the thing about plagiarism is that sometimes it may just happen that you write something that was someone else's idea or someone else's quote. You know, that might happen. Yeah. But to have it happen a handful of times in different articles. Yeah. That seems problematic. Yeah. Well, it's it's clear. It's clear. He's a pedantic, pontificating, pretentious bastard, a belligerent old fart, a worthless, steaming pile of cow dung. You tell him. You tell him, Jim Carrey, from Liar Liar. Wow. <laughs> I, I, well, I just, I don't like Fareed Zakaria, not just because we are diametrically opposed um, politically, and his, he, he, he just purports himself to be something that I don't believe him to be. One is an honest man because he's lo- stealing and lying about it. But the other thing is just his he ha- it bothers me that he's not an American and he profits from and he has benefited from the greatness of America and everything that we w- the, this country has been able to provide him. And he just sits on TV and shits on America day after day after day on his fucking show. Right. It It, it just bothers me. So what bothers me the most is plagiarism, period, because it drives me insane when people post quotes or like jokes on Facebook as their status. Yes. And they don't put it in quotations and say who said it. And I've called someone out for this before when they stole a quote that someone that I know said and I posted it and quoted the person and, you know. Right. And they stole it and posted it as though they had said it. It's their own thought. And I commented. I said, what are you doing? This Someone else said this. Quote the person that said this. And everyone, like, attacked me and said, oh, I'm sure plenty of people have said this before. Don't even worry about quoting it. And it's... what. No, quote where you found it. If it's not your original thought, maybe I'm a little sensitive to it because, and this might sound very bold, but I consider myself a creator. I I write, I do this. If someone was ripping me off, had a transcript of our show and was ripping me off line by line, it would, I mean, one, it would be a little flattering, I guess, but it would be, it would be problematic because we're creating this content. Right. And it takes a lot of time for people to write well yeah, yeah. and come up with good ideas and good thoughts and even to conduct original research, you know, don't steal other people's work. Right. So I guess ultimately we have a message for Fareed Zakaria. That was brought back by special request. I, I've been asked by several people, why did we ditch the CeeLo drop? And my answer was, one, I think he's a little skeevy, and maybe it's just unconsciously I've not wanted to have him involved in the show and, you know, have that in there. I didn't I haven't made a decision about it, but... Skeevy yeah. slash rapey. Yeah, he's got know. a kind of a rapey vibe. He doesn't just have a rapey vibe. He <laughs> he's is got a, a rapist. He's got a drugging, rapey T-Rex vibe about him. That's definitely factual. <laughs> so... Well, that, that's a good segue, moving from rapey vibes to Jeopardy being, <laughs> being fucking sexist. What the fuck is going on over there, Alex Trebek? Yeah, it's it's insane because we expect something more from Jeopardy. It's an intellectuals game. Right. It's 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 no. It's not Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, it's. I was just gonna fucking say Wheel of Fortune. It's no. Are you smarter than a fucking fifth grader? Right. So. Apparently it's not, though, because yesterday they had a category called What Women Want. 
For HuffPost Live, I'm Logan Tittle. One of TV's most loved game shows is being heavily criticized over a recent category, What Women Want. And many answered, what is sexist? Rather than focus on serious topics like equal rights or significant achievements of women, the new section was filled with stereotypes of housework, fitted jeans, and Pilates. I have to go with what women want for 200. A pair of jeans that fit well, like the 525s from this brand. Catherine. What are Levi's? That's it. Some help around the house. Would it kill you to get out the Bissell bagless canister one of these every once in a while? Alan, what is a vacuum cleaner? Yes. The hashtag what women want began to spread on Twitter. Users posted things like a show that aims at being smart. Hashtag what women want is equal pay and bodily autonomy. Hashtag sexist. And what is equal pay? What is the right to make my own health decisions? What is treated like a human? And even actress Sophia Bush chimed in saying, for a smart show, you just got seriously stupid. Earlier this year, Alex Trebek was accused of being gender-biased. Salon claimed the 74-year-old acts much more surprised when a woman wins. And when they win consistently, he brands it a battle of the sexes, not an ordinary winning streak. And then he said this to Fox News. Women contestants, when it comes to a daily double, seem to want a wager because they figure, oh, this is the household money, this is the grocery money, the right. rent money. Research has suggested that women do wager less than men in the game, but I can promise you, Mr. Trebek, it isn't because they're too worried they won't be able to go grocery shopping. I wonder how Salon quantifies his reaction to women winning. Like, how do you assess that? I don't... Right. They're well, saying he has a negative reaction to it. Well, how do you assess that? It's their judgment. Well, it's fucking salon, so you can only take it so seriously. But they're saying that it's a, it, it, it's a surprised reaction. So I guess his eyebrows raise or something? <laughs> yeah. We watched the show a lot, as we've talked about on the show, when we were talking about Jeopardy! Julia. We fucking loved her. Um and I never, I never sensed, and admittedly, my radar is not always up for sexism. I mean, I'm, I don't really, I'm not on the lookout for it, so it doesn't, it, it has to really smack me in the face like this did to, for me to notice it. But, right. but I've never noticed. I'd have you, have you, did you, did you think after Julia won time after time after time after time that Alec, Alex Trebek was, uh, seeming surprised that she kept winning? Not at all. And of course, I mean, there is an issue with this category. And it's shocking to me that they don't have forward thinkers over there. It's weird. That wrote this category. And I don't know. What are they thinking? Of course, this is going to be a problem. Well, their optics, their optics are clearly off relative to this because being a show of intellectuals and a lot of gray matter over there, you would think that they would dedicate a category like that to you know female scientists uh, right female innovators female uh, inventors female ceos not bissell fucking vacuum cleaners well i do have to admit that i love vacuums <laughs> and i'm dying to get one of those what are they dyson yeah dyson <laughs> and i've always loved vacuuming ever since i was a kid i always wanted to vacuum because you can hear the floor getting cleaner yeah. with all the crap going up it and you just feel like you're getting stuff done you, you, know? you know we should have god damn it i don't know why i don't think of stuff fucking sooner it's always in the mix while we're doing the show we should have gotten a hold of emma hawks from um 
rethink pink and to kind of get her take on this because this is her this is her flavor oh i'm sure she would have been a fan of what they did oh i'm sure yeah (laughs) so what the fuck listen if you have an opinion about this sound off 657-464-7609 that is the number and let me tell you about Amazon.com or the link that is on Dollamore.com. Up in the corner, there's a support the show link, and there you will find an Amazon search bar. If you want to buy a book or a play-at-home Jeopardy board game, they have them, and they'll sell them to you. And every purchase goes a little ways towards supporting your favorite twice-weekly show filled with news, news. and ridiculous comments. So a few episodes ago, we we covered a story talking about a lady in Miami, Florida. The story almost made our Florida files, <laughs> and it didn't, um, named Isis Martinez, who has started a petition to try to get the media and, I guess by extension, the government to stop using the term Isis, where it relates to the Islamic State and the terrorist organization that is operating out of Iraq and Syria right now. Um, and joining us on the phone is none other than Isis Martinez. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. So we do a, a lot of stories on on what's going on over there because our show is you know topical and news, current event based. And I have to admit that I am guilty of using the term ISIS. And it has been over the course of the last few episodes that I've kind of transitioned between ISIS and moving toward ISIL, I guess just out of force of habit. Um, what is it that sparked your your concern over people using the, your name and, and the acronym? Well, first off, I'd like to thank you for transitioning. Um, Yes, what actually brought me to start the petition was, um, you know, the fact that over the course of several months, um, it started becoming overwhelmingly clear that um, this unfortunate group of monsters um, wasn't going anywhere. And, um, you know, I, I tried to not really, you know, become upset about the fact that these the terrorist group was given the name or an acronym that is also my name. Um, but it really, it really showed up in the day to day just about a month ago, a month and a half ago. Uh, specifically I went to the ER and the intake nurse asked me how I pronounced my name. And when I said ISIS, she, you know, she was very sad for me. And she said, well, Oh, you know, like, oh, like the terrorist group. And I said, yeah, I know it's, it's terrible. And, and she says, well, you know, do you have a, a middle name? And I said, yeah, I do. I didn't really realize where she was headed with that, but, um, you know, I told her it was Teresa and she said, well, that's pretty. You could go by that. <laughs> wow. Wow. And that just sort of like, that hadn't even occurred to me. I mean, I knew how I felt every time I went to a restaurant and either heard my name pronounced um, followed by, you know, terrible adjectives, ISIS kills, ISIS murders, ISIS wanted, war on ISIS, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was already kind of like getting to me. But now this kind of gave me a perspective on what people, you know, were feeling about it. I knew how I felt. But 
so I, you know, I didn't feel good. Never mind the fact that I was in the ER because I didn't feel good already. And it took me a little bit to process it, but I, you know, I got home that day and with my throat on fire, I was just, I was livid. I just said, you know, I started doing some research and, you know, I knew that there had been some other names for the group and I started doing more and more research and I realized that, you know, actually the government doesn't refer to it. I mean, the government, the U.S. State Department, the United Nations and the Associated Press also, you know, veered away from using ISIS as a term for the Islamic State. So, you know, President Obama in his address on uh, September 10th, it was it was just uncanny. He he had a press conference, not once did he say ISIS, and newscaster after newscaster not only said ISIS, didn't say ISIL, but they misquoted the commander-in-chief yeah. over and over and over again. And, you know, I mean, I know journalism 101. I mean, if you're, you know, you're, you can't misquote anyone for that matter, but the commander-in-chief. Right, right. So it just seems like it, it's something that, like, is stuck with some, um, you know, media outlets, and you know, it's it's irresponsible. I've I've reached out to many women named ISIS. They've reached out to me. Parents of little girls named ISIS. They're dealing with all sorts of things like bullying in school. Um, people are facing issues in jobs. Imagine someone who's unemployed and looking for a sales position, for example, at a company, and their name is ISIS. You know, would an employer look twice at a resume? With the unemployment rate that we have, you know, yeah. why would they hire someone with a name by ISIS to represent their company? Well, and I can introduce themselves. I, I, you know, we we talk a lot about on the show about moving the conversation forward and about empathy too. And I know that it it probably doesn't seem like a lot of like a big deal to a lot of people out there, you know, named Jason or Carl or Jesse. <laughs> But when, you know, when I, when I step outside of myself from, from a different perspective and I think about if this group was named Jesse and they constantly on the news, I was hearing Jesse beheads American journalist, Jesse, these terrible atrocities that they're committing over there. And it was attached to my name, even if their name isn't a name, but, but an acronym for something. I think over time it would take its toll. And I think you have, I, I don't think what your, your concern is frivolous. I think that you absolutely have a point. And I know with what influence we have, our humble little show here, we will stop using the term ISIS. And is there like a hashtag on Twitter and Facebook that we could, that we could pass along that you, uh, that you're using to get your message well, out? My Twitter handle. Uh, has always been ISIS Miami. Um, so the the petition, the link to the petition is can be found on my my Twitter handle. Also, um, the hashtag that we're using is thousands of women named ISIS, uh, and also hashtag stop the backlash. Okay. Um, we have a Facebook page is uh, facebook.com forward slash save our name, and um, you know we've been getting an incredible amount of of support from all over the world and it's not just people named ISIS and their family members I mean like you said you know this is something where we step outside of ourselves and we realize you know the kind of future that we're setting for little girls and parents who can't yell out their daughter's names in public places because of of what they're dealing with right now I mean I I flew last week and I gotta tell you I, I was nervous 
and the security at the airport looked twice at yeah. me and you know it's well, unfortunately, we don't live in a world with, well, there's an epidemic of not very smart people. Ignorant? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And unfortunately, yes. that, that, that number of, of unintelligent or ignorant people that they also are pervasive amongst the TSA and, you know, our airport screeners. So. Right. So right. ISIS. You know, that's why I think that the media has a, a great responsibility to, um, you know, raise awareness for the fact that this is a name. And unlike Jesse, which was one of your examples, a lot of people don't know that ISIS is a name. You know, it's it's interesting because it's a common but uncommon name. So a lot of people don't even know that the name ISIS is is a name. And I actually sent a text in error to someone. You know, when you call someone by mistake and you dial mm -hmm. a wrong number. Oh yeah. It was the weirdest thing. It's actually in my in my. In my Twitter feed, I copied it. I, I erased their number, but it was the weirdest thing. I said, hi, it's Isis. I'm here. How's it going? And I was off by one digit. Well, the guy, I think it's a guy, came back at me, and he said, you effing terrorist. What are you doing texting me? And I'm like, what? Wow. So it took me a second to realize that it was a wrong number. I went back. I checked. I said, I'm not a terrorist. They were like, well, you better not be. I'm going to call 911 on you and all this <laughs> stuff. And I'm like, are you kidding me with this? Was it you was know, it was it a Florida number that you? We have a running joke on the show yes, that it, we yes. have a, we have a running joke on the show that well we have a segment called Florida Files and <laughs> because all the crazy shit that happens in in Florida it's it's uncanny. Now you live in Miami, which is almost a different a different state, but that's the Banana Republic. <laughs> yeah, so since so many people have this image of what ISIS is and what ISIS means, why don't you tell us what your name means or what the origin of your name is so we can have a new idea in our head of what ISIS means? Sure. Um, well, I was actually named after my mother, who is also ISIS, and she was named after the uh, Greek mythology uh, goddess, the Egyptian goddess, Isis. And Isis is, represents all things, um, love, nature, marriage, family, health, um, all the things, uh, feminine power. Right. All the things that this terrorist group is, you know, completely opposed and, and, and the opposite of. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful name. Um, it's a beautiful image and they're, they're not just, you know, we're, we're dealing with this on a personal level. I know that there are many, many businesses that are facing rebranding and spending all, all types of money. And if you look this up, there has not been any other terrorist group who has been, who their name, which is an Arabic name, has been translated and given an English acronym. Right. That is also a name of anyone. So, you know, a lot of people have posted on the position, well, what is the name translated to Mary? Or what if it translated to Jesus? You know, would they right. have used it? Yeah. You know, or what if they decided to call themselves the gang of the desert? Well, would we have to call them God? I mean, oh, yeah. how, how far, how far, you know, do we, do we let this go? I mean, you well, know, we, my, we have, my to have some sort of responsibility. My perspective on it is that it's it's not like that's the only thing we can call them as ISIS. There there's yes. there are other things that not only they refer to themselves as, 
But our, our government, our president, our state department, our defense department, they're calling them something different too. So I don't see any reason why it's not going to put anybody out to do the, the considerate thing and, and not refer to them as ISIS. So yes. So Thank I, you so I think, so much. I really appreciate that. If uh, l- listen, okay. if there's if there's any if there's anything else we can do for you, if if there's any developments or what whatever, we'd love to do a follow up with you. So just uh, just hit me on Twitter and we can uh, we can work it out. Okay. Well, just to let you know, we are working on something. We're putting out the ISIS video that the world should be watching, and okay. it's basically uh, women named ISIS around the world that are coming together in this one video. And we've had this amazing man volunteer donating his time and he's professionally putting this video together and uh, we'll be releasing that within the next week or so oh great yeah let me know yeah. perfect thanks so much you have a great day have a great isis day. okay bye-bye yeah i think that went well right i was very surprised by how good of a voice she has oh yeah not that i was thinking she wouldn't it's just she could also replace me <laughs> are you in a constant state of of worrying about uh Getting the axe? Yeah, I'm continuously fearful of losing my job. <laughs> Just everybody, every woman who has a good voice. Right. Yeah. Threat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, your your position on the show, it's like a Supreme Court position. That once a woman has it, it's a woman there. And they're never going to replace a woman on the court with a man because that's that's another thing that, you know, a good politician has good optics on and they're not going to. They're not going to make a mistake like that. Right. There's a black guy. He's replaced with the black guy. Smart thinking. <laughs> but back to her point, back to the thing, the whole not saying ISIS thing, you know, I think it comes down to just kind of a looking out for your fellow man or in this case, woman. But, you know, mankind, look, listen, if it's not going to put me out and it's not going to be an imposition to just not say ISIS and to say ISIL instead, what? Why wouldn't I do that? Right. So we are bringing to you week, not week after week, but show after show, we are bringing you awesome, I think, data, research, polling information from both Pew and Gallup. And this show, this episode, number 60, we have um, Gallup did some, gathered some polling data on people's beliefs and opinions about moral acceptability. Right. So I think it's really important for everyone to kind of know the general landscape of beliefs. So that's why I always like to read the newest Pew Research and the newest Gallup polls, Well, even though it's kind of nerdy. Listen, putting together a show, as you know, we have to kind of, you either have to really overthink what you think the audience would be interested in or just say, fuck it. And talk about what you are super interested in, and then the audience is going to come. And I think that's what we've done. And we haven't heard any any negative feedback up up to this point about this kind of thing because I'm I'm fucking fascinated by these types of of studies and the polls that they do. And so carry on. So this was on a sample of 1,028 people, and it's all about the moral acceptability. So it goes from highly acceptable to highly unacceptable. Mm-hmm. And birth control overall is highly acceptable at 90%. Right. 90% of the sample said it's highly acceptable. And largely acceptable contains things like divorce, sex between an unmarried man and woman. That was 66%. <laughs> Come on, people. 
2014, everybody. Medical research using stem cells obtained obtained from human embryos, 65%. That's uh, that's surprisingly high for me. Yeah, I, I agree I with that. I'm surprised by that. Yeah. Having a baby outside of marriage, gay or lesbian relations, medical testing on animals. So those are all things that are largely acceptable. Which would be right in that 65% range? Yeah, it goes from 57 to 69%. Okay, yeah. And then the contentious issues are doctor-assisted suicide, 52%, and abortion, 42%. So those are neither unacceptable nor acceptable. They're just kind of in the middle. We are all trying to decide how we feel morally on right. these issues. Well, uh, you know, I think the problem is with a lot of those issues, um, right to right to die, they call it, and then also um, uh, abortion, is that we really don't have politicians anymore that 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 um have moral courage specifically with the right to die thing um you know the the far right painted jack kevorkian as some kind of a fucking devil and he may have been one of the most compassionate men um in many 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 years he wasn't this maniacal man twisting the corner of his mustache and hatching a plan to to kill all the geriatrics he could get his hands on. <laughs> right. He was he was ending the suffering of human beings who made the choice to want to end their lives humanely because they were only waiting to die while experiencing terrible chronic pain. Right. And he turned away many 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 more people than he actually assisted with their suicide so anyway i'm fucking going on a, a, a rant about kevorkian but if we had politicians who had more backbone and were able to lead these kind of polls would be changed because birth control was also very controversial you know 50 years ago but it's not anymore because we had people who had the courage to lead to, 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 to be tra uh, trailblazers. And if we had more politicians like that, we could get things like assisted suicide passed and have policies surrounding it so people would understand it better and then would, you know, just fall in line understanding uh, the nature of it. Right. And so the 52% that say it is morally acceptable for doctor-assisted suicide, that's a record high, mm -hmm. a new record high. Yeah. So... I don't I guess that's positive for me, but other people probably feel differently. Well, it, it, as long as the needle's moving, I think that's a positive thing. And then to the largely unacceptable, this goes from 34% to 30%, and this is people saying it's morally acceptable. Mm -hmm. So, that's why it's in the largely unacceptable category because it's scoring so low where people said it's morally acceptable. Right. So few people think these are morally acceptable. So cloning animals, 34%. Pornography, 33%. Now, this is confusing to me because that's only 33% of a little over a 1,000 people that say it's morally acceptable. That's weird to me. Well, even the cloning animals is another thing that how the fuck do you know whether it's good or bad? We don't know about it yet. We haven't done enough research to understand the science behind it or what kind of benefits we could garner from the cloning of animals. Right. And the funny thing about that is cloning humans is in the highly unacceptable. So it's better to clone animals than humans. Ugh. But, okay, so also included in the largely unacceptable is sex between teenagers at 30%. So, so just like 17-year-olds having sex? 
yeah. just teenagers. They yeah, say, like huh? high school yeah. kids, probably. I mean, I guess since it's you're making the good point that it's not super clear what age range they're talking about. Right, I mean, right, it, what right. is it? Thirteen year olds we're talking about. Right. You know, I get I get your point. OK, so in highly unacceptable, we have suicide. OK, which is dumb. Polygamy. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we're not going to hash each one of these out, but I don't know. I think that's it's arguable because like you've said, if if you're wanting to take your life, there are resources to help you because it's probably something that's broken inside your brain that you could have healed and you wouldn't want to commit suicide anymore. I just feel weird saying it's the, highly unacceptable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get your point. Yeah, for sure. No, I get it. I get it. Because it's it's a sick person that's doing something and it just seems, I don't know. Right. That's a confusing one. Okay, so also highly unacceptable polygamy at 14%, which okay. is weird. That's, that's weird. Well, it's it's a social construct. Yeah. I, what's it matter to someone else if they have two wives or six wives? It gives a fuck. Yeah, and then clone, cloning humans at 13%. And then at 7%, married men and women having an affair. 7%. So 93% of people think it's unacceptable they think it's unacceptable and seven percent think it's good to go right and let's just discuss Ob obviously an, an anonymous poll <laughs> right let's discuss the political divide of that one. Oh yeah oh they break it down that's awesome right so republicans one percent said it's morally acceptable for married men and women to have an affair okay 13 percent of democrats wow right wow did uh did uh, Jonathan Haidt have anything to do with this? <laughs> I don't he, believe so. No, he's a he's a, a psychologist, is he? Yeah, or just a researcher, a social psychologist. Yeah. but and, he does research. Yeah, he and he developed the moral foundations questionnaire, the, the moral foundation scale, which Brittany used to present research at SPSP in Austin. I did this year, and it it kind of breaks down the moral divide between politics although it's not explicitly doing that but republicans and democrats typically value certain moral objectives over the others mm -hmm. that's obvious i mean that's right, right. that just and it, it shows it right here as well i mean one sure. percent versus 13 percent having gotta, an affair it's got to bug you that your people are they're getting it wrong huh no it's expected because they're more loose with yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff you he, know that, they're more liberal he would right be, he would be a good get for the show he would. You need to work on that. That's somebody in your camp, not mine. All right. I get I get ladies like ISIS right. on the show. <laughs> you get the heavy hitters like uh, Jonathan Haidt and uh, hopefully Dr. Drew. Yeah, we'll get, see. Get it together. What the fuck are you doing? We'll see. I'm trying. I'm sorry. I'm scared I'm going to lose my job again now. <laughs> so I think we're going to wrap it up with this. Taking care of biz. So I know this is going to sound terrible, but my taking care of biz this week is this man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This, oh, my this God. man who lives in North Dakota. North Dakota? I thought it was North Carolina. No, it's North Dakota. Oh, even worse. And he purchased the Olive Garden Pasta Pass. Now, if you don't know what this is, yeah, you congratulations. Gotta, you gotta explain it. Congratulations. It is a... It was a... They only did it, a few of them, for a limited time, right? Right. They sold out in 
just a couple hours, I think. But so it's a hundred dollars for is this fucking depressing. A hundred dollars for a never-ending pasta pass, and it entitles you to unlimited pasta, breadsticks, salad, and soda for seven weeks. Wow, a hundred dollars for seven weeks of food. It it also entitles you to seven weeks of stomach cramps and explosive diarrhea. Intense tumtimes. <laughs> Intense. God damn. So this man, though, he started a blog and he's eating at Olive Garden every lunch and every dinner for the next seven weeks. He's going to eat all of his lunch meals and all of his dinner meals at Olive Garden for seven weeks. Gross. It's very gross. So I almost feel like he needs to do what... um What's that guy's name that ate McDonald's for? Morgan Spurlock. Right. He needs to do that. He needs to weigh himself every day, go get assessed by the doctor every once in a while because his health, he's going to get diabetes by the end of this or something terrible is going to happen. What they need to do is when he dies, like this month from doing this, they need to drain his blood and make blood sausage out of it because it probably has a tasty, creamy texture to it. Oh, sick. <laughs> so what his goal is, is to try all 180 possible pasta combinations. Uh, and he's going to blog about this? And he's going to blog about it. And he's giving each combination its own name. So he named one Holland Oats, which is chicken Frida on top of spaghetti with a roasted mushroom Alfredo. It sounds really good, but it's I guarantee not, it's that's not. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing about, about American corporate restaurantism it's i'm making that up uh they make shit sound so fucking good it's like mcdonald's that double jalapeno burger that i was talking about for like a week which i never went and got because you know you're going to be fucking disappointed with this smashed shitty tasting piece of shit shit right shit Brittany. right <laughs> So, again, this pass is good for 49 days, and he's going to eat all of his meals there, lunch and dinner, for 49 days. So he's taking care of biz because he knows the true value of his dollar, and he is getting his money's worth. That guy, right? that guy fucking hates himself. <laughs> he hate, Or maybe he's had, like, intestinal blockage for many years, and he needs to, like, you know, kind of clear the way. Right. So $100 wasn't that much in comparison to having some sort of surgery he may need. He's just going to clear out those intestines yeah, eating this delicious food. The only thing that would cause worse diarrhea than seven weeks of steady <laughs> of steady fucking Olive Garden is seven weeks of Taco Bell. Or shit, three weeks of Taco Bell would probably equal seven weeks of Olive Garden. Right. Burr. So I have ordered the never-ending pasta bowl before, and it was when I was a kid, and my mom let me order it, and I was eating, and my mom's crazy, so we'll just get that out of the way. And she told me we needed to get our money's worth. <laughs> and so everyone had finished eating, but she continued to make me eat never-ending pasta. And I was eating, and like every time I swallowed, it was just the food was getting stopped in my throat. Right, like it right, just wasn't right. even it's, digesting. It's, it's just stacked up. Yeah. <laughs> and it was getting to a point where I couldn't even swallow. So I don't know how these people are eating this much Blech. pasta. It's gross. Gross. And you know what's funny? The, the classic line when you bust someone and make fun of them for eating, eating at Olive Garden, this is the classic line. Well, they've got good soup and breadsticks. 
good soup, salad, and breadsticks. That's always what they say. Yeah, they because do. Because they know that they should be embarrassed. We we need to start a campaign about Olive Garden shaming. Just come up with some kind of a hashtag. That's something for the audience to do. Call us with that, everybody. 657-464-7609. That is it for this episode. We love you and appreciate you for listening. Goddamn. You guys are great. For Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been I Doubt It. More technical difficulties.